Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Gobble, 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 Pat. It's turkey, turkey day. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I guess I guess when this gets released, people will be going through their Thanksgiving post post Thanksgiving like uh, coma now. No, they're hitting. When this comes out, they're going to be hitting leftover season. It is. Peak leftover season, people. (laughs) Get those turkey sandwiches, and I hope you snagged all the stuffing from your aunt. So the the best thing is that we're going to my wife's aunt's house on Thanksgiving, and then Friday, I'm leaving work a little early because we're going to do Thanksgiving on my mom's side uh, then. So we're going to have like back-to-back Thanksgivings. It's going to be pretty epic. Sick. Uh, Double Thanksgiving dinner. That's that's the way to do it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, man. do it right. Yeah. Hell Yeah. Yeah. We don't mess around, man. Awesome. We don't mess around. Oh, so how you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. I went yeah. to my first ever old school meetup, Pat. Oh, what was that like? Did they jump you in? How do they jump you in in old school? Do uh, they just like beat you with a pack of like revised cards? <laughs> no, we just kind of got pizza and beer and played old school with said pizza and beer. Uh, there wasn't really a beat in, but uh, there was a fish tank. It was a nice fish tank in this pizza bar aquarium combo shop it was great <laughs> do they do they sell fish there as well like fish to take home no they just had a really big aquarium it was it was, okay. it was a nice touch it was a nice touch you know playing playing moxin by fish tank light it it's a certain kind of romance pat i i imagine i imagine did you take someone home with you that night jerry did you fall in love <laughs> Uh, I, yes, uh, her name is Sarah Angel. I did, uh, fall in love, Pat. It was, it's, uh, old school's a bunch of fun. I, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a play style that you can't really get anywhere else. I think of just playing with really bad cards, but also just super powerful cards at the same time. It's like, if you decided to play like booster pack war, but decided to put like a soul ring in every booster pack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know we have a bunch of friends uh, who are into old school and we have a pretty cool old school community in the area. I got to make it out to one of these. I don't have an old school deck, but I'm sure I could just borrow one from somebody. Yeah. That's what I did. I didn't have my own yeah. decks. I just borrowed Ian's Ian's the man for uh let me borrow his sweet decks. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Oh, also, someone had a uh, the very first dual deck from Urza's, I think, Legacy. And, really? Yeah, it was like black red goblins uh, versus uh, like mono white weenie that also just was full of things that randomly had protection from red and black. It was kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our themes are goblins and fuck goblins. Those are our deck ideas. <laughs> goblins always get in the shit kicked out of a man. Always. <laughs> yeah, for real. We can never but- catch a break. <laughs> It was a blast. They were fun. Me and Ian played like a massive stalemate of a game uh, that where I actually I was a red black aggro deck pat and I beat him by decking him. That is how the uh, <laughs> the matchup turned out because they were perfectly balanced as all things should be. But to the of point course. where it was just a stalemate and naturally decking your opponent because he has a Jada May tome and you don't is your win condition. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old you have a howling mind. I don't. I win the game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I like that. I like uh, that a lot. But oh, boy, it was a blast. 
Those are play patterns uh, only uh, someone over the age of 30 can enjoy. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of okay boomers to be had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, just as a quick uh, shout out, we got a ton of emails this week, Jerry, uh, to the LAL account. So we're going to go over a lot of them. They're all boomer related, and most of them uh, are commiserating with me. So I'm, I'm excited to go over those. But that'll be at the end of the show. <laughs> of course, only fellow boomers would email into the cast. <laughs> well, I printed I printed them all out. I have them stacked neatly, on my, stacked neatly on my desk so we can go over them, Jerry. You hurt me. You hurt me so. <laughs> If we any more come in during the cast, you'll hear the printer going. Uh, awesome. Is it is it one of like those old school printers that have the uh, the peel off side, like the rollers, like they, the, the dot the, matrix printer? Yeah, is that what dot, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the dot matrix, like because that's how they like fed the paper through the printer, and then once yeah, you printed it off, you would like peel the edges off. Am I crazy? Am I the only one who remembers this? No, I absolutely remember what they are. Yeah, you like the, the edges were perforated. They had holes in them all the way down. It would feed the paper through the printer. It made a ton of noise. Uh, they never ran out of any ink. They were fantastic. They were very reliable. They, and, they produced uh, you could, waste bins of just scrap paper for no uh, reason. Look, you use the paper and you burn it. You uh, go to your mom's office and burn it and make a fire in the trash can. This is the most boomer conversation that we've ever had. For sure. For sure. Uh, so, yes. So, well, I'm glad we're going to get some some emails out there. But you know what I'm really more interested in talking about today, Pat? What's that? Uh, I want to see where those legacy metagames go in in the post Renin Six apocalypse, and I figured the best perspective to uh, to get from that is a deck that kind of was in the throes of it. And also invite back to the cast our old friend Connor Fulsey. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hell yeah! Here. Thanks. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, for those who might know you better as Lomer Boy, that's me. Uh, Hell yeah. So coming back on uh, famous for uh, your antics with uh, uh, Aggro Loam, uh, Night of the Reliquary, Life from the Loam deck. And we kind of wanted to get your perspective on where the deck's going now that uh, Renin 6 is no more. Well, I actually think it's uh, more playable now than it was before because um, I'm actually pretty happy that Ren's gone. Even though I played it, it's kind of a mess of a card, so... It really like warped the format and made four color loam pretty unplayable because you had all these combo decks or you had rugged over, and then the fact that like rugged over could waste lock you just made your wasteland plan invalidated, and it was a lot more difficult to play the deck. Even though you were playing Ren too, it just your main strategy wasn't as good. Did it feel like you were just like weren't as special anymore? Like you were the wasteland le- uh, lock deck, and then all of a sudden, Wizards prints a one card answer, and now everyone's the wasteland lock deck. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it felt like. Although you know, four card loam's always special, Jerry. It's at always least more special. special than sneak and show. <laughs> that's. I mean, I might have to agree with you. It's you know, aggro loam holds a special place in my heart as well. All uh, right, two questions, Connor. Is it is it false or full say? False. Yeah, but false, Pat, right? when, okay. have I, when have I ever pronounced someone's name correctly on this show? <laughs> I'm just with, wanna, I just want to I just want to know. Our, second with, question. With second our, question. With our friends Aaron Zingzang Gabamba and Zach Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> second question. Second question. Is your uh, moto name a reference to Avril Lavigne? <laughs> no, it is not. Oh, um, oh that's disappointing. I, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I've it's gotten okay. that one before, though. You thought you were being original, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Would be a lot cooler if it was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe I should have just said yes and get still credit. I don't know. That's a better story, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't know why, I, where it came from. I needed a name, and that just seemed appropriate. It's fitting. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You might yeah. say fitting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, so with, uh, with the deck Connor, you, yeah. I know you've been, uh, kind of brainstorming a lot. You've been posting yeah. a bunch in the Loam Facebook group and uh discord channel. And you even, in my view, committed a little bit of heresy with some of the builds that you've been dabbling in oh, because no. what is this? I see, but blue, the deck's nickname is literally not blue and you added blue to it. <laughs> I know, I know I did. I, I've committed the, the sin, but I have to say um, the reason I added blue is because Ren is gone and Oko is not gone, and that card is insane. And I feel like if you're playing a fair deck and you aren't playing Oko, you're probably doing something wrong. Wow, that is powerful words. I can't believe <laughs> where we're at compared to like when Oko was first spoiled. And you're the second person to come on the cast and just say that it's pretty much a mistake not to be playing. I mean, in fact, Josh, our last uh, guest from last week, you know, he even think, said he wouldn't be surprised if Oko ends up getting banned. Uh, I wouldn't either. I, wow. I think it's, I think it's going to take, you know, some time, but um, the card just makes things, like, if it hits the table and it resolves and it sits there for a turn, you usually win the game. Because it has such high loyalty, it's only three mana. Both its abilities are plus for whatever reason. Uh, the ultimate is nuts. I, like, just everything about it is crazy, and it's a blue card. So you get to play it in decks with counterspells. Yeah, that's some pretty strong arguments in its favor. Um, so, real quick for our listeners who might not have got your first episode, can you give us the 30-second breakdown of what Agrolome tries to do? Yeah, just in general, um, it's kind of a it's a mid-range deck that uses Life from the Loam, and I guess the red version uses Punishing Fire as like um, grindy recursion strategies um, to generate value, and also the key creature is Knight of the Reliquary, so you play a utility land package along with it. Um, so the, the idea of the deck is, is value in playing creatures like Dark Confidant and Sylvan Library and Knight of the Reliquary to, um, uh, to draw cards. And basically, um, it's not really lands because you're not playing the depths combo. Um, and it's not Jund. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. And it's sort of like Maverick Jund lands all in one. Um, and it's, I just love it because it's kind of, it kind of functions as like a, a giant toolbox. And I think that's my favorite part of the deck and always has been. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's where it's nickname, not blue came from is that it's just four colors, not blue of just good stuff rolled together into a single deck. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what it was. I mean, it was, it, uh, it was made by, I think Nicholas Cronenberger, like six or seven years ago, right when Liliana first got printed. And back then, people thought it was kind of crazy because it was just a bunch of cards put together. And somehow, over all these years, the deck has lasted and it's become kind of a, a meta staple. Um, and it's got a very loyal following. I think that everybody who plays the deck is just loves playing it um, and continues to play it. So, Yeah, definitely. It's one of the few decks that I actually have currently sleeved up at all times, though. I must say I am short Mox Diamonds now. 
I did have to get rid of the Mox Diamonds. Oh, no. Well, it's hard to play the deck without Mox Diamond. It is, but I also have very could... good good friends in the area, so I figured any time <laughs> I want to sleeve it up, I can just uh, borrow a set. Yeah, I guess you could just borrow them. Yeah. You should have just uh, sold your uh, show-and-tells, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, those babies are getting buried with me. (laughs) Good. Four less in the world. (laughs) This is actually part of, this is, this is a legal statement I consulted my lawyer, Pat. If I, if I get like hit by a buzz or anything like that, I'm, I'm putting it up to you to get them to bury me with my show-and-tell deck. It's on you, okay, bud? (laughs) Deal. (laughs) I'm taking the chains, though. (laughs) You can have the chains. (laughs) Sick. That's my cut. <laughs> Legally binding contract. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, during the Ren and Six days, uh, Agrolome got a big boost by adding Ren and Six, but it wasn't... I mean, you were kind of already doing it. It was just like, it's nice to have compared to, like, Rug Delver, where it, like, revolutionized the deck. Yeah, and it also just made... I feel like the format already, even just in the whatever week it's been now since it got banned, has just gotten so much better. Like, I was having so much fun with Legacy before they printed Ren, and then they printed Ren, and then, you know, there's the excitement, like, oh, look, there's this new thing I can put in my deck. And then you realize that it just made the format warp like Deathrite did. And uh, I am one of those people that tend to think that Deathrite should stay banned. So... um and you can just, I've been playing Legacy a bunch uh, over the last couple of weeks, and it just feels so much better and so much more balanced again, which is nice. Even with Oko, the decks, like, you don't have this, like, busted ability for Delver decks to waste lock you anymore, and that really just warped the entirety of the format. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now the, the format's opening up a bit more, but you did want to take advantage of Oko. Let's talk about, cause there's two blue versions of the deck right now. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, there, well, so there's the traditional four color loam deck that has, it's basically all the same cards, except it takes out Punishing Fire and Ren for Oko and Leobold, um, and then some sideboard cards and, um, so there's that deck. It's basically just four-color blue. Yeah, so you're basically just swapping the red for blue. You're taking yes. out the Punishing Fire package and using Oko as the card advantage uh, card of choice. Right, and the four-color loam red version is still good right now, I think, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that I think the blue version has also become viable because before you were just splashing for Leoval and it was kind of like, meh, I don't know if that's enough of a reason to put a color in, but now you get Oko and you get... At least um, from what I've been doing, you get Dovin's Veto in the side, which is just like an insane card to have in yeah. the back pocket. So. Yeah, I played against Miracles uh, the other day. I was running Sneak and Show, and they they got me with that Dovin's Veto. <laughs> uh, yeah, Will Will Godsey, uh, he, he was explaining it, and like, it just kind of clicked when I was playing against Will, just how good Dovin's Veto is in, in the meta. Yeah, it's just really nice to be able to have a card that's good against control decks, Delver decks, and combo decks at the same time. Um, and that's like right. really, you know, you want something out of your sideboard for a deck like Loam for those matchups. So it's a it's a plus for sure. Um, I don't know if um, you tested this at all, but a member of our, in our Patreon group actually shared with me the blue version of Agro Loam a little while ago. I uh, asked for just like a spicy deck to play, and he sent me the list. And uh, his list was actually running Drown in the Lock. Have you tried that out at all? Yeah, so that was actually the list that I made at first, um, right when uh, Ren was banned and 
Oko became part of the format. And then since then, uh, my my friend and also excellent lone player, Matthew Vuk, um, kind of made some changes. And we took out Drown and just running uh, Ford Abrupt Decay now. Um, and so the only blue cards in the main are Oko and Leobold. So he was kind of messing with the deck as well. And, and so the current version we have just has uh, the three blue cards in the main. The Drown and the Locks were cool, but they were kind of bad sometimes, especially against Graveyard Hate or decks that played like Gurmog Angler and just wasn't consistent enough. Gotcha. Yeah, so just the abrupt decay. Yeah, I guess being relying on the uh relying on the graveyard like that on a deck that already, you know, already your opponent's going to be bringing in their graveyard hate against you. Uh it's probably not the the best play. Yeah, and it just I think if you're playing um black right now, just abrupt decay is just so good because it hits so many things in particular Oko. Um, and you know all the all the creatures from Delver and all the problem permanents. I mean, it just it's a card that I think was excelling when Ren was around, and I think it's still really good right now. So, yeah, that's true. I I think it's a symptom of the fact that like Bug hasn't been playable in years, but Abrupticate is a really good answer to a lot of the Planeswalkers that are causing issues in the format right now, and it just feels like not very many people are running Abrupticate. Uh, yeah, it's it is. I feel like more people should be. Um, it's just a really good card against a wide variety of decks, and it's kind of a catch-all answer. And the fact that it's uncounterable is what makes it so good because, you know, obviously most of the format decks in the format are blue. So right. Um. So. So this is kind of like the the blue black heavy uh, agrolome list. Uh, you also mentioned you have like a Bant flavored agrolome yes. list going around. Yeah. Okay. So this deck is like I'm very excited about this deck. I've been doing really well with it. I think my win percentage is close to eighty right now after about forty five matches. Um, I had somebody on the Discord nine zero to European tourney. It was like Finnish regionals and they won. Uh, a bunch of other people have been five owing. It's a list that I made. Um, a little bit after uh, Ren was banned. And I have to first, I have to give credit to Zan Saeed because it's based off his um, Nihilom deck that was around when Ren was printed. And I was just like, well, yet again, Ren's banned. So what if we just take the red out of this deck and put blue in? Um, so instead of playing Chalice of the Void, you're playing stuff like Crop Rotation, Elvish Reclaimer, you play the Dark Depths combo. And then I thought, like, why not add blue for Oko, but then also add blue for Teferi? And the idea is that if you land a Teferi, um, you can make Merit Lage at the end of your opponent's turn, and they can't interact with it. Uh, and it also lets you resolve all your spells without them being countered. And you still get stuff like Dovin's Veto on the side. So Yeah. Um, I, it does. It, I feel it plays closer to Maverick than Jund compared to like the Black Heavy one. I feel like you're running more like... You're more present on the board, just with your like Hate Bears and... and Reliance on things like Teferi and Oko. Yeah, so you have um, your splash. I, I decided to splash blue. It's basically like the green-white depths deck that's still sort of floating around, except it just has blue for the two walkers. And it gives you, like, not only does our Oko and Teferi just really powerful on their own, but they give you another plan against control decks and other mid-range decks, and um, they just function really well with the deck. And, like, Oko works well with Mox Diamond, and um, you get cards like... Uh, Dovin's Veto and Veil of Summer out of the sideboard. Veil of Summer is just like an absurd magic card right now, and it's especially mm-hmm. good in a depth deck um, because it's not only does it protect your creatures and walkers from stuff like Abrupt Decay, it also 
counters counter spells and protects you against discard spells and protects merit lage. It's just like and one mana and it cycles. So yeah, I think Veil of Summer is pretty insane. Like at first, I was surprised when it got banned like out of hand in Commander or not Commander uh, Pioneer. Like, oh, that's I mean, that's interesting. I wouldn't have like pegged that, but uh, I guess that makes sense. And now, like seeing it more, more and more in Legacy, I'm just like. Uh, I wouldn't be sad if this got banned either. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Wizards is just like let's print all these cards that are too good for Legacy in the last like six months, and I wouldn't mind seeing Veil ban, Oko ban. I mean, it, there's just like so many absurdly high power level cars that have recently been printed. Yeah, I feel like we're getting our just desserts because Legacy players for years were like. Pay attention to me, wizards. Pay attention to me. And now wizards paid us attention, and we're like, not like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too much attention. Less attention now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how's the deck to? Uh, I mean, it looks like a ton of fun to play. It's a blast. Yeah, I love it. Um. Oh, also, did we talk about this? This singleton uh, hex drinker. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> um. That card has been sort of like I I was about to cut it and then the the person from the Discord that Nino'd the tournament in Europe and said that it was insane all day and so it's still in the deck. Um, basically, it's it's just really good against control decks in general and also it gives you kind of a separate win condition and it's a different angle of attack uh, because it's you can sort of make your own progenitus out of it and because you're running twenty seven lands and mox diamonds you can. Uh, tick it up pretty quickly if you need to and it's it, it doesn't really function as a main plan but it's kind of like there in the background and you can green sun for it at the end of the game and make a 4-4 with protection from instance so it just it, it functions as kind of like a mini win con on its own in the right scenarios and it, on occasion it just wins you the game yeah i mean so just being able to on a dime turn into the aggro deck because the coast is clear is is a pretty nice uh effect yeah, and it just like plays into the utility green sun package because you run Reclaimer, Hex Drinker, Safekeeper, um, Teague, Scavenging Ooze, Knight of the Reliquary, Knight of Autumn. So you kind of have this like toolbox creature package as well as toolbox land package. And that's what I love about decks like this is it just gives you so many ways to deal with uh, a bunch of different types of situations. Yeah. Pat, how do you uh, how do you feel Blue Red Delvers your blue red delvers stacking up against this? Um, so well, Chalice isn't isn't always a great thing to see in most decks against us, especially a deck that can power it out on turn one. Um, but I feel like when I've played against uh, loam decks in general, like these aggro loam decks, I feel like it, it, it's somewhat dependent on play draw. Um, you know, if I'm able to establish a quick threat, get underneath their chalices and keep their threats off the board, I feel like my, my chances are pretty good. Well, keep in mind with the Bant one, uh, Chalice got cut for uh, the crop rotations. And right, right. Claimers. Yeah. Well, I'm like, the, the that's, that's why I almost feel Connor like I, this is this is like really starting to diverge pretty heavily from traditional aggro loam. Like I don't even know if this particular list might even still classify as aggro loam. Yeah, it's more of a like I, I don't even know what to call it. It's like mid range depths. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, the, this one, like, I'm looking at, I was sorry, I was looking at the top two. So, we have three of the deck lists per yes, now, yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. the visual yeah. ones here. Yeah. The other, the other two ones definitely more like traditional aggro loam. That's, yeah, yeah that's true. Like, I'm, sp- I'm asking, like, how do you think blue, your blue red matchup is against, like, this iteration of the deck that's, you know, really taking a hard left turn from the traditional aggro loam? I think I'm just hoping to get, to get 
get him to a point where he's in trouble before he's able to land an Oko. But I, I'd have to play out a few of the matches, honestly. I'm not I'm not great at like looking at a deck and, and like thinking of the matchup in my head. I really have to kind of play it out, but yeah, it it wouldn't be easy. I don't love playing against Merit Lage decks. Um having access you know, it also depends on like which variety of Blue Red Delver we're talking about. If it's like the prowess one, then I'm just gonna die. I don't think we have much of a chance because if he's able to power out an early Merit Lage, there's not nothing that that deck can do about it. Um but the wasteland version I might have a little bit more play with. Yeah, I also feel like Lightning Bolt's not particularly great against this deck. Like, a lot of your threats grow out of Lightning Bolt range. It's quick. just reach at the end, like, like when it comes down to it, basically, right? Like, yeah, it's just going to be reach. Uh, Connor, one question I had uh, for you, because it's a big one a lot of players look at when they're yeah. thinking about putting together Aggle Loam, is the Tabernacle. Like, <laughs> the Singleton Tabernacle in the sideboard, everyone always asks, can I cut this? Do I really need this? And yeah. for the longest time with traditional Agrolom, the answer was yes. You need the Tabernacle. It is a linchpin of the deck. It is super key that you have Tabernacle in traditional Agrolom. This list, I don't know if that's true so much anymore, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's not. So it used to be necessary. I, I think it's not anymore. Um, I play it because... Uh, I think it's good. Uh, it was awful when Ren was around because traditionally you want Knackle to be your out against stuff like Delver, and if Delver just gets their lands back, it's useless. Um, but now that Ren's banned, I've kind of it, I think Tabernacle's good again because D and T and Maverick are back in the format too. Um, it's better against like wide go wide creature decks, but um, like in the blacklist, you have Plague Engineer, so you don't really need Knackle anymore. You could play a Toxic Deluge or a Golgari Charm. Um, and then in the Bant list, you just play Supreme Verdict. So I don't think it's necessary, nearly as necessary as it used to be. Yeah, well, I also just feel with this Bant list, like, you've really upped your creature count between the Elvish Reclaimers and Hex Drinkers, but also Oko pumping out all those beasts. Yeah, or yeah, El I mean... Elk, I should say. Sorry, Elk. I, I think I forgot the, it was Elk. <laughs> the idea is that, um... The depth combo is kind of like something you have in your back pocket. And it, the deck kind of, in a weird way, reminds me of how Splinter Twin functioned in Modern, where uh, a lot of the times you just sit there and your opponent could never tap out, even if you didn't have the combo. And with this deck, I rarely ever kill people with depths unless I'm playing against a combo deck where I have to kill them fast. Um, it's just sitting there, and they sort of have to like play the game thinking about it, and then you just kill them with Reclaimers and Oko and Knight, and you just have so many angles and so many different things your opponent has to deal with all at once. And if they expend your, their resources on everything, you just land a safekeeper and combo them when they don't have cards left. Yeah. So with uh, the Tabernacle cut, do you think uh, it can really open the deck up? Do you think more people should give this deck a try? Uh, yeah, I think the deck is great. Uh, I, I, I'm going to make a bold claim here. I think like as far as Legacy decks I've played, I don't know, I've played Legacy for five fish years now um consistently and and i this is one of the best legacy decks i've played period uh it, i i feel good against everything i'm even four and one against sneak and show so far because <laughs> of dovin's veto and veil of summer um and uh it, it it's just it, i feel like it has a lot of good matchups and a lot of play to it and um i've had a ton of success and then i'm thinking like oh maybe it's just me but then i've talked to a bunch of people who've also been testing the deck with me and they've all also had success. So uh, I think, I think the deck can be really a good um, intro to the format for people who want to do something different. 
Um, yeah, I agree. It, it, you see the format with like Delver decks and and combo and miracles, and this is like a very different kind of out of left field style of play. And it's cool that like four color loam is back again and is is solid. It's a solid choice. But then also you have this adaptation too that you can play that's a little bit different. So there's there's like variation within the loam. Um, style which there didn't really used to be so that's been fun to like have different decks to switch around to right exactly so from your perspective what's the legacy meta shaping up to look like you know what are you what have trends have you been noticing what have you been seeing uh in your games uh i've seen a lot so lately i think the 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 most played decks i've seen sneak and shows back for sure because yeah red delvers <laughs> kind I, of been I, knocked down I can tell Sneak and Show's popularity by the amount of DMs I get asking about Sneak and Show. So I'm like, God, <laughs> yeah. people, people must be really wanting to play Sneak and Show because all of a sudden I started getting a flood of people like, hey, what do you think about this? What What's this going to be like? Oh, okay. People are back on Sneak and Show again, it seems. <laughs> yeah, the deck's good, I think. Um, I think uh, Bant Miracles is pretty solid. Um, just basically Miracles with Oko. Uh Oko and everything, just like every other format. <laughs> right, yeah, and, and Mystic Sanctuary, too, which is a busted card. Um, and then uh, Blue-Red Delver is really good. I think it's, you know, after Ren got banned, I think it's the best Delver deck. Um, oh, just man. Because you get, mm-hmm. Just because you get Matt access to basics. <laughs> um, like, I think Grixis Delver is okay and Bug Delver is okay, but I think Blue-Red is like, you get Arcanist. I think Arcanist is great again. Um, uh, and it's one of those like really good solid value creatures in the format I think Death and Taxes mm-hmm. is, is solid again even with Oko you at least get to play your X1s now and you don't have to play Giver of Runes anymore which is just like a terrible card <laughs> so, I know right I remember when Giver of Runes got printed and we're like this card's terrible this isn't going to see any play and then Oko gets printed and we're like everyone get your Giver of Runes <laughs> <laughs> so like I think I think there's some I think what's cool to see there's like the cycles back in the format where you have sneak and show and death and taxes and control decks and blue red delver. And then there's also some freedom to brew and like mess around. And I think there's stone blades viable again. I feel like um, it's kind of the time in the format where it's unsolved because the meta shifted again and you can kind of play whatever you want uh, with a decent amount of success. So it's a, I think it's a good time to be playing legacy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely seems like the legacy format is uh, uh, definitely healthier than it was uh, under Ren. I mean, there still might be a couple problem childs out in the audience, um, but they haven't really reared their ugly head too badly yet. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, there's answers to Oko. Like, at least you can pyroblast an Oko, right? Like, you get this mm-hmm. one mana answer to it, um, or you can abrupt decay it, or, and, you know, it, it comes down, and usually it'll come down and just, like, make a food token. And so you have a turn to kind of answer it before it gets haywire. Um, but with Ren, it would come down plus to four, like get a land back, and then you're just like so far behind uh, already, or kill a thing and make it so that you can no longer play anything with one toughness until you get the Ren off the table. So it's just, it was just this kind of like insane format warping card that definitely I feel like needed to go. Yeah, for sure. Um now, speaking about kind of the grindiness, because I do think the format might be shifting. It's at least slowed down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're seeing a little bit more of a grind happening. You had a pretty spicy uh, sideboard tech I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, what's that? The uh, Savine's Reclamation. 
this is like fast become one of my favorite cards. Uh, and I, I would say this card would be a reader. Like if you cast this in, in a, a lot of matches, a lot of your opponents are like, hold on, let me, let me read this real quick. This is not something you see every day. No, it's not. It's from, I believe it's from the newest commander set. Um, and it's, uh, basically three mana sorcery that lets you get back any permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield and that includes lands um and then for five mana you can flash it back and it copies itself uh so it's just insane in grindy matchups where like say you're playing against like grixis control and they like you have an oko on the board if we're talking about bant loam for example um and they handle they deal with your oko then you cast sabine's reclamation and you can get back your oko and then say you have like a knight in the graveyard and like part of the combo, you can flash it back the next turn and then get your knight back and the land. And it's just like they're already down on resources and you just three for one them. So it's just a really insane card. And usually if it resolves in the grindier matchups, you just win the game because you're getting so much value for one card. It, it to me to me it feels like like reverse Colagon's command. <laughs> like if <laughs> Kinda, my, yeah. like if my opponent casts Colagon's command against me, I'm ca- I'm hoping for like Savine's reclamation to bring me back into the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of is yeah, and it's also like everything in the in the Bantlum deck is three mana or under, so you can get back every card every permanent card in your deck, which is it, it really works really well with the rest of the build. Yeah, because Savine's Reclamation, two and a white, source to return target permanent with converted mana costs, three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, uh, flashback of five, copy it when you flash it back, so you get two. So really, it's a one card, it's like one card regrowth three times. Like, that's yes. pretty powerful. And it also functions as this, like, like, you can have these sick turns where you go, like, you have a knight on the battlefield, and you'll go, like, Wasteland, Savine's Reclamation, get back Wasteland, Wasteland, fetch a Wasteland with Knight, and you just, like, triple Stone Rain your opponent. So even yeah. in situations like that, where you're just getting back a land, it can still have a ton of value. Or in a situation where you need to ramp, you can just cast it and get a land back, and you've just made two land drops for the turn. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. I like that. <laughs> so it, it, it does a lot for being a three-mana card. Sure. Um, then I also notice our little fuzzy friend collector oomph in your sideboard. Uh, is that kind of a staple now of the green sun Zenith decks? I think so. Yeah. You see Maverick playing it too. Um, it just is so good when it's good. Like it's backbreaking against the Karn decks and against ant and even against like it's solid against like Stoneblade or Maverick or death and taxes. Uh, and because you play Mox diamond, it, it's a little awkward. Um, but the amount of, advantage it gives you is worth playing it even though you're wow. playing artifacts yourself because it shuts off led it shuts off equipment aether vial it, it just mm-hmm. does a lot for a two mana creature that you can tutor too so yeah yeah i mean uh definitely does a lot uh what uh you know we kind of touched on your matchups earlier but what are kind of like the decks that you that are best for you to play against uh as bantlom yeah or just specific- Loam in general Specifically the Bantloam list. Uh, I would say Delver, generally speaking, is very good. I I have a... I don't... I barely lost against Delver. Even Um, losing the Punishing Fire package? Yeah, even losing the Punishing Fire package. Because you get the Depths combo, game one, it's very hard for Delver to beat that in general. And then you also get Elvish Reclaimer, which is insane. Knight of the Royal Quarry is insane. You get four Swords to Plowshares. And then you get Oko. You just like all these tools, and then you get Veil of Summer and Veto out of the side. So 
Uh, the matchup's just, like, generally really good. Also, any other lands or depths deck is usually pretty good, because you have Knight of the Reliquary, and that's just such a good card against those kinds of strategies. And you also have Reclaimer, which, by the way, can we just mention how insanely busted Elvish Reclaimer is? Because I think that card is like, <laughs> quickly become one of the best one-drops in the format. Uh, mini Knight of the Reliquary, you mean? You're essentially yeah. playing seven knights. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why it's so good. Do you yeah, need that many knights is... with the Green Sun package? <laughs> Yeah, like well, actually, yeah, <laughs> 10 nights, 10 nights with the green sun package included. I, I'm going to have to sleeve this version of the deck up because it looks like a ton of fun. Um, So, yeah, I I just feel this matchup uh, against Delver, I think, would be uh, a super fun match to play against. But what are kind of the decks that you're just like absolutely dreading when you see sitting down across the table from you? So, honestly, I haven't come across a matchup where i felt like oh i can't win this matchup that used to be sneak and show when i was playing four color loam but because yeah. you get veil of summer and dobin's veto the matchup's actually pretty winnable and you also still have like thalia and you get the combo um, i what i was gonna say like th- five cards that i don't want to see are three veil of summer two dobin's veto coming out of the sideboard though those cards are have quickly become the bane of my existence when i'm playing sneak and show yeah um but I would say that like the grind like miracles is actually kind of tough because like it's it's certainly winnable and I think it's pretty close to even. But Terminus is still pretty good against the deck, uh, and they get a lot of value off of Mystic Sanctuary. And if you let them run away with like AK draws, then you just lose. Um, so I I've had some trouble against like the Bant Miracles deck because. Uh, Oko is certainly good against you, although I think Oko is good against everything. But um, it's, it, yeah, I th- I think that's like one of the matchups I kind of have to test more for because um, it might require more stuff in the sideboard to deal with it, especially like good Miracles players. Like I, I played against Anurag online the other day, and while I was like pretty tired when the match, when I played the match, I just got housed. So, because uh, he's obviously great, a great pilot. So I feel Veil of Summer and Dovin's Veto kind of get boarded in in a lot of situations. Are you boarding out the same things every time for them, or is it uh, changing around based on the matchup? Sometimes it changes based on the matchup, but as a general rule, like if you're playing against the blue decks where you want Veil and Veto, um, I generally am boarding out like Crop Rotation and Green Sun Zenithes because they're just bad against Counter Magic. Um but sometimes, you know, it depends on the matchup, too, because, like, sometimes if you're playing decks that don't play creatures, you'll board out Plow, whereas if you're playing Delver, you want Veil of Summer, but you also want Plow. Um, and if you're playing, like, against Combo, you still want the crop rotations. So it just depends on the matchup, uh, but it and it'll change a little bit based on whatever you're playing nice. against. Um what are kind of some other sideboarding tips that you can give to people? Because I feel that's where a lot of people get hung up when piloting the deck is uh, because it's a complicated deck with a lot of moving pieces, it can make sideboard decisions just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I, I think it's it really takes practice. Um, and I've actually had a lot of people asking me if I'm going to make a sideboard guide for this deck, and, and I <laughs> might. I'm not sure yet. They take a lot of time, but um, yeah. It's hard. I think you generally just want to look for, okay, what cards do I want in general for these matchups? And in general, what cards are bad? So 
I know that's like, that sounds not very helpful, but there's no better way for me to describe it. <laughs> like if you're going against a combo deck, right, then you can go through your deck and you say first, okay, what do I have to take out? Plowshares is obviously terrible. They don't play creatures. Hexdrinker, too slow. Take that out. Just uh, you want to evaluate what cards are bad first and then look at your sideboard and say, what cards help me in this matchup? Like Leyline's good. It's a combo matchup. I want Veto. I want Veil of Summer. I need to bring these in. I don't want Plow. I don't want like, say, like I don't want my life in the loams because they're too slow. Like you have to think about what cards are slow, what cards are fast. Are you playing against combo? Are you playing against control? So I generally try to evaluate what I want to take out of my deck first, and then I look at what I want to bring in and kind of adjust the numbers from there. You know, that's a really good point because I feel that's a problem that a lot of magic players will run into. And I feel, I don't know if it's just me. What I've noticed is that when most players go to their sideboard, the first thing they do is they pick up their sideboard and look for, for the cards that are good in that matchup to bring in and then agonize over what to take out. Right. And I, I think if you decide beforehand how many cards you're going to bring in, that then forces you to take that many cards out of your deck, even if the cards you're taking out might actually end up being better than the cards you're boarding in. Right, and you might, you might have some excess one way or the other, but it's, you know, once you figure out what you want to take out, what you want to bring in, you can look at the, you know, the excess, like, numbers and decide, okay, I need to keep a couple of these in or I need to take out a few more and just kind of go from there. Because there's, in every matchup, there's, like, obviously bad cards you want to bring out, and then there's some that are a little bit more difficult to decide, and so I do the obviously bad ones first, and then I'll look at the more difficult ones. And also, I usually end up taking out one to two lands in every matchup. So, like, if I'm playing against a combo deck, Maze of Ith is useless. Or if I'm playing against, like, um, a deck that doesn't interact with the graveyard, you want to take out Bazooka Bog, right? So you just kind of, like, look at, all right, I'm probably going to take out one to two lands plus the cards in my deck that don't do anything. And then I need to figure out how many cards I want to bring in. Yeah, that's actually something probably newer players to the deck probably wouldn't think of. Uh, you don't, you know, your utility lands aren't always the the what jumps to the forefront of your mind for things to take out. Just because I don't know, lands kind of gets drilled into you from an early age. It's like don't board your lands out; it'll screw up your mana base. Right. It's just different for decks like this where you're running so many lands that you can afford to bring a couple out. But this deck does run like a lot of utility lands, and it's very hard to play because. There's so many things that you have to keep track of at one time with your night activations and Reclaimer and like what you want to be doing and what you want to be looking for with Green Sun and what lands you need and when do you want to combo. So I think newer players to Legacy, this is not necessarily a deck I'd recommend. I, I would say play something like just Turbo Depths first so you can kind of get used to playing with the combo in a basic, more basic way because um, there's just a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and especially with the lands that you know technically aren't lands like uh maze of Fifth. like that that doesn't tap for mana don't include that no in mana calculations <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't i mean it pitches to mocks right but it, you right it doesn't do anything outside of that in some matchups yeah i i do remember having uh these experiences with the deck where i'm just like all right if i draw any land in my lands based deck i win the game Top deck. It's like Mox Diamond. All right. Not exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> it's like, yeah. right, one more. Give me any land and I'll be good. And it'd be uh, like, uh, 
uh, Maze of Ith. I'm like, all right, doesn't tap for mana, but I can pitch it to the Mox Diamond. Mox Diamond, and then they like deal with the Mox Diamond, and I had still one mana away. You just, even though you're a lands based deck, I do feel there are those situations that you get into where you're just like one mana short of what you need to do. Yeah, it, it just happens with stuff like this, especially when you're not playing Brainstorm and Ponder to fix your hand. Um, when you're playing 27 lands, sometimes you're going to flood. Sometimes you're going to just draw like awkward Mox Diamond hands sometimes you're going to have like dryad arbor in your opener and it's just kind of like the price you pay for having access to all of these tools is occasionally there's like a drop in inconsistency and you'll just lose to your own deck or like maybe you have an opener where your hand is like dark depths maze of Ith, dryad arbor and you're like cool i can't cast anything with these cards but um you know then they'll end up winning you the game so it, it just it's kind of just the drawback to, to loan strategies in general. Yeah. Just something you kind of have to deal with. Yeah. Nice. Um, any events coming up that you're planning on uh, playing this in? Have you been doing the uh, MTGO weeklies? Yeah, I play in a lot of leagues online. Um, I usually almost always have plans on Sundays, so I don't end up playing challenges very often. Um I do want to start playing events more. I live in Seattle, so we have a great legacy community over here, and and we have pretty frequent 1Ks and 3Ks. Um, And so I definitely want to... The next tournament I go to, I definitely want to take this deck out. So, Uh, But nothing like in the short-term radar coming up for me, at least not until probably next month. Nice. Are you you still streaming? I stopped for a while, so I started... uh, it's yeah i started grad school um a couple months ago and i had took taken a three to four month break from magic and then i actually got in an accident and ended up breaking my hands which is oh, damn. shitty sucks. um and so i've sort of been stuck at home for a couple months uh recovering and i had to drop out of grad school and i'm restarting next fall so that's why i've had so much time to play magic because like what else have i been able to do um, right so it's it, it's it's been a bummer, but also like there's been some positives to come out of it, and and I really enjoy being a part of the legacy community and like part of the community for playing loam decks and being a face for people and somebody that can answer questions. And uh, so I'm still sort of on the I'm almost through the recovery process. I get my cast off this week actually. Well, good. Um, but uh, that's been kind of like the hang up. So I, I was actually out of magic for a few months and then I got back in when I got hurt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of what I love about the magic community and just magic in general is just being there. Like I could imagine, uh, if you weren't, uh, invested and interested in magic, you know, if you say a similar situation, you know, you could just end up like sitting at home, just watching Netflix all day. And that's just a recipe for just disaster. But having the outlet of magic and kind of being able to connect with people that way, I'm sure is, you know, quite a bit of therapeutic relief, too. Yeah, it's nice. And it's also just, you know, what I love about the game. And I think what we all love about the game is that it, it really requires you to focus and think and solve puzzles and work through problems. And it, it's like it keeps your brain active more so than, you know, just sitting and playing video games or you know, watching TV or whatever. And I think that's like why we all do it. Right. Is it's just, it's, it's fun, but it's also really challenging and complex. And, and there's always like things to learn and cool things that happen and new interactions that you never see. And then you also have like the community and we know that the legacy community is really tight knit. So that's what I love about it is everybody's just so passionate about trying to keep the format going and run events. And especially you guys, uh, in particular so yeah thanks man appreciate it 
Uh, speaking of time for its shameless plug, I think we picked uh, January twenty fifth as our uh, next leaving a legacy open. It's not set in stone yet, but uh, that is our preliminary date that we are shooting for. That is the weekend of my birthday, my son's birthday. But I think we could probably do the, the open that week. I got I to double check my schedule tonight, but. Probably by the time this airs, it'll be confirmed as to what the actual date is. Uh, just just bring him to the tournament, Pat. Just tell him the tournament is his birthday party. He, he wants everyone. to go to one so bad, and like I just he's just not ready for a competitive REL yet. That's all it is. No trial by fire, man. I'll, I'll lend him sneak and show. He'll take the whole thing down. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll because I'll fix the matches. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna just like. He's going to shuffle your deck by just, like, pouring them onto the mat and just, like, pushing them around with his hand and just, like, sm- sm- smushing them all back together into a pile, and that's his deck. Uh, and I just look at you and I go, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you see your, your eyes twitching as your FBB Volcanics are just being, like, smashed in with all these other cards. Uh, they they tent up as he pushes them together. Oh... <laughs> uh, uh. One of these days, I got to make it out to one of your opens because Hell I yeah. always, I always look at you know I see when the events come up and I listen to uh, your guys' podcast and the dead format every week, so I hear about it all the time. And I'm just like, man, I got to make it over the East Coast at some point. We really yeah. we have a lot of fun with them. They're they're pretty great for sure. Uh, hopefully, we want to do a West Coast one soon too. So yeah, we are yeah. working on that. <laughs> come to Seattle, please. It's like the bastion for legacy. True. I would love. I would love that. I've. I've. I haven't been to to Washington in a long time, so wouldn't mind going out there. Nice. Uh, before we get into uh, scoops and poops, any last couple points you wanted to make about Agrolome? Anything we might have missed? Um, I. I would just say I think it's. Uh, it's really playable again, which is nice. Uh, I don't think it was for a while, um, and. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's complicated, but I think it's really rewarding when you give it time. Um, and and I think it's cool that there's variations on it now rather than just having four color loam. So um, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, it's difficult, but it's uh, the the time you put into it is is worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. I I can second that. Uh, deck definitely is very rewarding even if you lose you definitely feel like you kind of played magic when you're uh, playing this deck yeah it's really interactive and there's a lot of lines to take and you always find new things about the deck and new angles of attack and what works in some matchups and what works in others and um i think it's in a really good spot right now in the meta actually so uh, sneak and show aside I, i think it's both the red version and the blue version, I think, are very playable right now. Sick. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for this band version. I think I'm going to sleeve this band version up and uh, go to town with it. <laughs> you yeah, cannot... please let me know what you think. I will. This, Jerry yeah, can't this help himself. Sweet. You can't help yourself, Jerry. I can't. I can't. Why would I want to? <laughs> like, all well, about our... the hedonism, man. It's like, why practice restraint when you can have so much fun? <laughs> all right. You want to go over some emails before we get into the uh, the final stretch? Oh, here? yeah. You got your emails. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's hear these, bo- these boomer emails. All right. Let's see here. All right. So, first one is from Matthew Hagedorn. And this is going to be like a rapid fire question, this one, Jerry. So, uh, what do you guys think the best way that Watsy could do, could do to help with the Planeswalker problem? Other podcasts I have listened to mention things like uh, rules changes from loyalty ability works. So you could bolt them before they get activated. Um, 
to cards that target them, specifically like Swords to Plowshares. Curious to hear your thoughts on the subject. Thanks for reading this email, Matthew. What do you think, Jerry? Uh, easy fix, like just super easy fix. Uh, make it so that Planeswalkers don't have quote-unquote haste. Planeswalkers can't be activated until the turn after they get cast. Now, that's going to absolutely make Planeswalkers unplayable mm-hmm. and absolutely terrible, but I'm okay with that, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, it's basically an unofficial ban on Planeswalkers in the format is just make them unplayable. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Uh, next one is from Ian Seafelt. Uh There's no subject. The body is just okay, Boomer. Thank you, Ian. All right. Good. <laughs> uh, Matthew Hackbert. Uh, subject line, okay, boomer. Uh, this is just so that Pat. <laughs> this is just so that Pat has an email to read. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks for the shout out about the Arizona Eternal Magic Tournament two episodes ago. You're a buddy in the desert, the Hackbert. Thank you, Matthew. I hope the Hell tournament yeah. went well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is a long one, huh? Uh, I'm just gonna say Dylan he- Heister sent us a really nice email. Jared, gonna forward it to you. It's, it's very sweet. It's a very nice email. It says a lot of good things about us. Um, but it's not really a, not a question so much as just an observation of the podcast. So I'm going to send it to you, Jerry, and maybe we'll reply to him, uh, in email form there. And cool. let's see. Uh, last one, Alex Stefan. Uh, so he says, Hey Pat, uh, let's see question. His question here is, does an event being team trios affect your deck choice? Uh, such as choosing a fast deck. So you hopefully have more time to consult with teammates that are playing slow decks or vice versa. Thanks for the content. Really enjoy listening to you guys. Uh, no, because it's all about me. I just about treat team right? trios as if it's a single matchup, yeah. and I just have two people that I know who sit next to me every round. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I want to hear Connor's answers. You know, he, Maybe he can give slightly less trollish answers. Yeah, than me. Connor, uh, what do you think about <laughs> fixing Planeswalkers? What do I think about fixing planeswalkers? Yeah, how do you fix planeswalkers? Um, or do you think they need fixing? Uh, I, I, so I'm someone who loves playing with them because they're busted. But uh, honestly, if you want magic to be like more even and fun, you should just ban them all. Like they're all. <laughs> it just it was a bad idea. Yeah. To begin with, I agree. But they sell packs. I mean, they'll keep printing them because they sell packs. But right, I agree. It's a, it, they, they sell things to casual players because yep. it's like the face of the set or whatever, yep. right? Yep. And they're cool to look at and they're fun and you like open one and you're like, oh, I got a Planeswalker. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, what? they really they really gum up some games, especially in Legacy right now. Mm-hmm. You see, that's the thing is like, we were fine with them using it as like, yeah, go ahead, Wizards, you know, make use, your, use them as your money pit uh, when 95% of them were strictly unplayable in Legacy. And now it feels like every Planeswalker they print is a powerhouse in Legacy. And I think mm-hmm. that's why people are really upset. Yeah, don't you remember the days where it was like, oh, look, Jace is the most powerful Planeswalker in Magic. And now it's like, no, but there's Oko and there's Teferi and, and it's like, and there's Narset and there's Karn. It's like, okay. So and, it's just been know, so much the last year. It's been so much lately. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Too much. All right. Good. Nice little, we all had a 9,000 9, yard stare as we just looked wistfully <laughs> off into the distance. That yep. was good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into scoops and poops here. Oh, also, want to thank our newest patron this week. I forgot to do it in the beginning of the episode, but Danny K. Hall, thanks for uh, joining the Patreon. We really appreciate thanks, it. Uh, Danny. Yeah, he runs the, uh, he runs the community, community Legacy League that fires off on Magic Online uh, weekly on Wednesday nights. I think it's 8 30 eastern it starts it's a free-to-play 
uh, community-run Legacy League, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, so I just want to give him a shout-out and say thank you for joining the Patreon. We appreciate it. Hell yeah. Daddy's the man. Awesome. All right, let's get into Scoops and Poops, Jerry. Scoops? Who, who are you going to scoop in the top eight this week, Jerry? I got two uh, events that I want to scoop in just because it is Legacy People keeping the dream alive. Uh, first up, uh, Travis with the Legacy Pit. They got their Invitational coming up soon, Pat. Hell yeah. December 1st, so not too far away, uh, live on Twitch, December 1st at 11.30 a.m. Eastern is the Legacy Pit Invitational. Uh, they got some uh, some big names uh, showing up. Uh, they got Paul Lynch, Austin Blackner, Chad Uzzel, uh Daniel Senatier, David Stinginger, Chris Mueller, Adam Gross, Jonathan Blank, uh, Dave Long, Paul Muller, Jared Smith, uh, Milan Bihana, uh, Mike Somerville, David Salas, uh, Trick Strachan, and Larry Mekja. I'm 90% sure I butchered <laughs> the majority of those names, and I apologize profusely. But uh, for people who are kind of well-versed in the legacy community and kind of follow the results, there's definitely some uh, really recognizable names in that uh, lineup for their 16-person uh, invitational challenge. <laughs> so it's going to be streamed all paper event, uh, and they are playing for a moat, I believe. So first place wins a moat. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you want to see some sick high level, uh, legacy action, tune in to that event. Sick. And then also I wanted to scoop in, uh, nerd merch gamings, uh, legacy tournament. They're running a two K down for all our Pennsylvania folks. It's actually, uh, Buddy Calvin, anyone who's kind of bought and sold magic cards on the uh, legacy circuit, I'm sure they they've uh, at least come across Calvin. He's kind of a huge personality, uh, awesome guy. Uh, really <laughs> is uh, super funny at events, uh, and he's another big promoter of legacy down in like the Pennsylvania area mm-hmm. area. Uh, so they are uh, running a big tournament. Uh, they're giving away like an underground C as a door prize. Damn, uh, that's a real door prize right there. Yeah, that's a pretty baller door prize. Uh, and then two thousand uh, dollars in the prize pool with I'm sure you know more based on attendance depending on you know how many people they got. Um, I posted it up in the Facebook group, uh, but it's also at the oh also the cool other cool thing I noticed about this is I'm pretty sure this tournament is taking place in a brewery. Oh, <laughs> because. <that's awesome. laughs> The location is uh, located at uh, what is the name of this place? Um, oh yes, yeah, full bar, full bar available at this legacy event. That is awesome. That's the way legacy is supposed to be played, in my opinion. Hell yeah! With drinks, um, with drinks. Oh, here's here's uh, here's why. It, I'm definitely not going to say this right. Con Konshoka Kiken Brewing Company. You said that wrong because you made it sound like a Jap- <laughs> like a man- like an anime series. Konshoka Kiken. Yes, that sounds like an anime. <laughs> is that what Dragon Ball Z say, does? Is it, that what he says? Does yeah, Dragon Ball Z that say that? Is, pickle, it's, it's pickled, a, pickle juice. Yep. Is that his name? P- p- Pickled juice, that's his finishing move. You're 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) Kenshoka Ken uh, Brewing Company. Pickled juice runs the Kenshoka Ken. (laughs) In Phoenixville, Pennsylvania on January 12th is this legacy event. Uh, 40 bucks. And yeah, this looks like a sweet tournament. Uh, Maybe, I mean, that's right after my birthday. Maybe I'll go go a little crazy and go down and pop down. When's uh, when's the date? Tournament, Pat. Uh, January 12th. I could oh maybe we should, maybe we should make a road trip down to PA. 
Yeah, if your wife doesn't kill you for going for a road trip on January twelfth to a ter- legacy tournament and then skipping your son's birthday, to I wouldn't. No, no. First of all, tournament? his birthday is the twenty second. <laughs> He'd probably do his birthday uh, okay. party on Sunday, so we'd probably be good for the twenty fifth, which is a Saturday. All right, we're good. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 You, no, if it was his actual birthday, if it was his actual birthday. I would have Stone Cold said, "No, that doesn't work for me." You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not an awful father. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it so your wife doesn't hate me, Patch. I'm stealing you away. Hey. <laughs> she is a formidable woman. She is. I'm intimidated. <laughs> someone someone uh, messaged me the other day about coming up for the next LAL Open. I was like, oh, yeah, if you want to sleep on my couch, you can. Just uh, know you're not going to get a lot of sleep there. Jerry knows the last time he slept over. And we'll go with like, my kids standing over and wanting to play at 6 in the morning. Uh, it was awesome. Luke showed me all of his toys yep. one by one. And I had a blast. You got your kids some good toys, man. I oh, gotta yeah. say. Quality taste. They uh yeah, fat my, action figures galore. My <laughs> friends and family don't they are they are very kind to my kids. They're very lucky boys for sure. Uh but but yeah, so I just wanted to shout those out. Some awesome legacy events uh in the community going on. So thanks to those guys for making that that stuff happen. Now what about your poops this week, Jerry? Man, I've I got a fucking downer of a poop this week, Pat. Yeah, you have koala bears running here, and I want to know what what <laughs> what do you, what is the beef you have with koala bears? No, I don't have any beef with koala bears, Pat. In fact, fun fact: the koala bear is my favorite animal. In fact, my college band's our number one hit single was literally the koala bear jam, Pat. <laughs> it was a great song. I love koala bears. They're my favorite animal. And guess what, Pat? They just got classified as functionally extinct. What? <laughs> really? Man. Yeah. Really? Dude, like, I can't believe this doesn't been making more news. So there are still koala bears left. It's just 80% of their population has been decimated. Uh, to the point where, like, scientists say that they like there is not enough genetic diversity in the koala bear species that if something like happened to them, they would not recover. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like a bunch of their habitat burned down because of wildfires in Australia, right? Yeah, Australia is going like everyone's been talking about the Amazon burning, but also what hasn't really been making the news is Australia has been on fire. Yeah, um, you know, some one of the worst uh, for uh, fire seasons in their history. Uh, the like majority of the koala bear habitats just burned to a crisp, and uh, yeah, the scientists think this is going to seriously impact koala bears. The fact that you know they they might go extinct, and Damn. they actually scientists classified them as functionally extinct as far as like the sustainability of a species goes. That's a huge bummer, man. Yeah, so huge bummer. That's my fucking poops. My poop is fuck global warming. I love koala bears, and now. Like, I never thought it would be the day where you're like, oh, hey, grandkid, like, there used to be this animal called the koala bear. Like, that yeah. that stuff blows my mind. <laughs> Aren't they, like, uh, infested with gonorrhea? Wow. Way to, uh, <laughs> way to read the room, Pat. Is that what it is? Yes. Are koala way bears, like, read... aren't they notorious for having, like, uh, is it, like, gonorrhea? No, I think... Something like that? I think what I think what you're thinking of is I think koala bears are immune to syphilis, but they can carry it or something like that. Is that what it is? Syphilis? Yes. Yeah, something... They grow. They're gross, man. They don't wrap it up. That's probably what, that's probably why they're extinct. <sighs> that's definitely the reason. God, <laughs> you're the reason why. You're the reason why. Okay, Boober became a meme. <laughs> Connor, who, who you have anyone to scoop in at top eight this week? Yeah, so I I want to scoop in um, my other loam compadre, Matthew Vuk, who is a really, really good loam player and does a lot of work for the community as well. 
I think the two of us have kind of um, become the faces for for the community recently. Uh, after Matsole kind of comes and goes with Legacy, so he's the other guy. Uh, and then my friend Akesh for helping me test this Bant list over the last week. And then also my favorite Magic player of all time, Reed Duke, who just went to the Hall of Fame, is like the epitome of how I want to play the game. So scooping and Reed Duke. Nice. Sweet. Love he's it. He's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, any poops? Hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to poop on uh, SCG because we all know why. Um, and then also Pioneer, because I think it's stupid. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Connor. I'm like, why do I want to play this format with basic lands, all these, like, boring cards that I already played in Standard that I don't want again? Yes, let's keep casting Dig Through Time, except not, I don't want to at all. <laughs> but there's so. still Okos everywhere, so you get to play your Oko, bud. Yeah, except they're even better in that format than they are in Legacy. That's crazy. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Oko's no. definitely Oko's it's definitely insane. getting banned from Pioneer. It's just absolutely insane. In yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. And because I wouldn't be doing justice if I didn't come on this podcast and poop on Sneak and Show every time, I'm gonna poop <laughs> on Sneak and Show. Again, so. Love it. Love uh, it. Sorry, yeah, the transmission's breaking up. We can't really, we can't really <laughs> yeah. hear you. Uh, Justin can just I'm edit sure. that out, and he'll just say, "I love Sneak and Show." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also one more thing. Um, shout out to Ian and Tom because Dead Format's a great podcast, and I really enjoy listening to both you guys every week. Oh, thanks. I, yeah. I love listening to the Dead Format. They are my favorite magic podcast. They're awesome. Um, awesome. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, anything else? Uh, I looked it up, Pat. It's Chlamydia. Chlamydia. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Glad we have that information. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, Sleep better so, tonight. No. Australian firefighter fires, uh, uh, you know, wiping out koala bear chlamydia. It's actually one habitat. It's actually at pretty. Time. It's pretty insane. Ninety percent of koala bears before the forest fires were infected with chlamydia. So I don't know. I'm not where, sure where they're getting these statistics from, but yeah, they're saying infection rates as high as ninety percent. A lot, a lot of pissed off female koala bears, probably. Yeah. So I'm glad that whoever listens to this episode is going to have like 10 minutes of koala bear. The more, the more, you as, know, <laughs> as they should. Uh, seriously, though, I donated money to the koala bear wildlife foundation and I recommend everyone else. You they get go the, out and they do you get that money back now. Koalas. No, <laughs> there's no koala bears left. So why do you have to like get the money back? There's cause you got to help the ones that are like, you're, you're making me sad. Oh Please. no. I'm just, just messing around. Jerry. <laughs> Not the koala bears. Oh man! <laughs> uh, what are they? Eucalyptus. Koalas. Eucalyptus. No, they. Eat? Yeah, they they trip all day. Eucalyptus is a mild hallucinogen. So what? koala bears are just like living their. Jerry, lives. this is your spirit animal. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I mean, I'm not connecting the dots. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. Uh, can there please be like a giant koala bear printed that's legacy playable so you can like show and tell it in? I would love that. <laughs> I'm going to get really you one of those. You, you know, the shirts you can wear that have like, they're just a giant print, like 360 around the entire shirt of like a dog's face or like a cat. I'm going to get you one that's a koala bear. You have to wear it to the next tournament deal. Uh yeah, I'm down. Awesome. 100%. Awesome. Um all right, let's see. Um scooping in topic this week. Uh let's see. Do I have any scoops? I don't think so. I mean, Legacy's pretty great. Um but I don't think I have any scoops specifically. I guess I guess the Patriots played a pretty good game against the Cowboys on Sunday. That was that was fun to watch. Kind of sad the Cowboys lost, but um happy the Patriots won, so 
Patriots of you know Anthem. who's coming for you, right? Who's that? Seahawks all the way. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> gonna, have, gonna have that rematch. Get ready. Oh, Good old man. Tom Brady. Seeing, uh, seeing Richard Sherman's uh, face uh, when Butler picked that pass off on the, in the goal in the end zone was like one of the most exquisite moments of football I've ever watched. It was so much fun. Hey, if you dig on Richard Sherman, I'm going to agree with you now. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's, it's sold on me. No, he's a great. I mean, look, I don't, I don't have anything against Richard Sherman. He's a great player. I think that he plays a lot into the, into the drama of the game. Uh, he sells tickets, you know, he gets people excited. So I actually really like that about him. But seeing, seeing him, uh, think that they they won the Super Bowl and then realize realizing they lost the Super Bowl within a fraction of a second was just, uh, it was just chef's kiss kind of kind of moment there. Pat, Pat, let me tell you, I, I laid on the floor face down for about 30 minutes after that interception. Oh, hey, listen, I remember David Tyree catching that ball from Eli Manning in the Super Bowl that put the Patriots away. <laughs> that was like same, same moment. You know, like it, it's just it's, you just yeah. you win by those plays. You, you die by those. Or you, you know, you live by them. You die by them. It's just it's part of the game. And man, like something about fo- a football game will get your blood pumping. So I love it. Either way, I love it. Well, good luck beating Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and uh, let's see. It poops. I'm going to poop on the magic storyline, Jerry. Uh, and yeah. people who get too involved with the magic storyline, guys, it's just a marketing tool. Like you don't have to. You don't have to like put like your. You don't have to like identify with it. It's just there to sell cards to children and, and young adults. Like it's not a big deal. Uh, I guess people are upset about magic storyline being retconned and like who it doesn't it doesn't matter, guys. It doesn't matter. It's just. It's literally just marketing for this company. It's just a company that markets. It's, the, it's just it's not very good literature. Oh no, like, it's I not. It's for sure. <laughs> like, not. I don't it's know why sure people not. read it. Like like you, you can find much more relevant things that will you know that represent pe- the the very diverse people in this game that are, are that it's actual like good like well written stuff that's not done by someone who it's like their part time job to write like the, guys these stories are made to sell cards like it's not it's nothing great. Like you need to just you need to calm down. You're getting you're getting too loud about it. It's too much. It's too much. Uh, that's it. That's all I got this week, man. Poops in the magic storyline. Be make it what you want it Oops. to be. Make some make some. Uh, what's that called when you make it yourself? Fan art, or whatever the hell. Right. Yeah, fanfic. Make some fanfic. Make it however you want it to be. It's awesome that way. Yeah, it's true. I mean, isn't that that's what's great about the game in general, though? Right? Is you have like so many people can play it however they want and there's the story and there's casual and there's competitive and it's like so like yeah just fits so many different levels of interest exactly thousand percent you know for people that like the story let them have their story absolutely yeah Yeah. i just i just think think that like i think that's actually a good idea pat i there isn't really a lot of magic fanfic if you think about it like compared to like other pop culture uh you know things out there uh i've i don't think i've ever seen really any magic fanfic i'm surprised there's not more people who like write their own magic stories maybe they do i mean it'd be like a it's a great universe to do it in right there's so many characters so many worlds uh yeah and it's it's like that fantasy i don't yeah i i get it man i get it look Listen, listen, I'm sure, never, I'll, never. I'll, I'll l- put listen. the challenge out there. I'm sure they, there are people out there who could write way better fanfic than, honestly, the bar, the bar's not that high. So, <laughs> <laughs> my, I guess I just want to say my, 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 my real point, like if the best way I can put it right now, because I haven't really thought of this previously, is just like, don't let a company that is trying to sell you something affect how you feel about yourself. Like that's an insane thing to allow to happen. Don't like put so much stock in like, wiz- like yes, like we lo- we love wizards. I think they're I think they're a great company and all, but like 
don't put your self-worth in the product they're trying to sell you. That's an insane that, like and I feel like that applies to a lot of the things we've seen going on the last the last 6 months like don't don't let them don't let them control that because that's a crazy thing to do. That's crazy. Um all right, well, let's see. Let's get out of here, Jerry, cuz we're getting a little long here. Um Connor, do you stream at all? Uh yeah, I will be streaming again once I'm recovered from this injury in a couple weeks okay. probably. Uh I was streaming for quite a while under Lomer Boy on Twitch. I'm on there on and off and, you know, watching other people's streams and stuff. And I plan on uh, streaming this Bant deck in four color again within the next month for sure. Awesome. So what, what is that? Twitch.tv slash Lomerboy? Yep. How about like, um, yeah, I know you're on Facebook, right? What about uh, Twitter? Do you do you tweet? I, I don't, but I keep being told I should get one now. So I want to tell you not. Point. I want to tell you don't fall into the trap. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I, yeah, Twitter's better with, like outside the magic community. Crazy enough, uh, I like for me yeah, like the exactly. Facebook group is the best part. Is the best like slice of the magic community that I have access to. So yeah, I really yeah, I'm it. on Facebook and all the groups. I'm on. I'm very active on Discord. Nice. I answer questions. Oh, nice. Yeah, you're you're on our Discord now, so people will get yeah. be able to hold you there. Awesome. All right, well. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the stuff we do. Um, you know, we really appreciate your support. We got the holidays coming up, so that's really exciting. I'm hoping we get to do, uh, something for charity this year, this time around. We might just do a straight up cash donation. Um, for koala bears. Uh, I was thinking more like no. people, like people, people who need stuff. <sighs> Listen, the koala bears, they're just going around. They're, they're getting, what is it? Chlamydia? I don't get man it it's something about the nihilism of our generation but I said I told this I told this to my friend too and you know what his reaction was his reaction was oh just like the panda bears yeah fuck up <laughs> like what I mean it's a, it, it's a serious bummer um listen there I feel better- that's what it is it's like it's such a bummer that people just don't want to acknowledge it and it's, so they just go cold inside here's 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 my like, here's my theory the on sadness. it Here's my theory on it is that uh, there are people better than you and me, Jerry, like people who are like smarter and more passionate and just like better people like karmically who are going to figure out that issue. And I'm not I'm just not going to dedicate any of my brainwaves, any of my any of my any of my, uh, uh, you know, bandwidth to that problem. I got other shit. I got other shit going on. that's actual problems to me in America. Uh, you know, this is. This is like peak boomer energy, right? How here. is this? Like, no, I'm saying, look at there's so much energy. Of course, there, it's the, it's a global. It, oh man, it's, it's not a global. It's it's not a global live, problem. In the world, Australia is yes, an island, is. and we can't help the creatures on an island. Like it's a bummer. But there's people who are like there are scientists, people who are. Cotter, able- am I taking crazy pills? Am I taking crazy pills here, Cotter? No, I, I, I mean, at this point, hey, conserve the wildlife, you know. No, listen, listen. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm huge. I'm huge on on conservation. I'm, a, I'm big into that. I love, I, I love to fish. I like to hunt. You know, it's stuff I get into. Okay, so, Boomer. what are you talking about? <laughs> wait, you, wait, 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 wait. You just said you like to conserve the wildlife, and then you said you like to hunt. I don't. How does that? So, hunt, hunters and fishers are actually like some of the biggest people for con- like wildlife conservation in the world. Like a lot of the like yeah. everything you buy. But that's everything- like. Let me finish. That's, Let yeah, me finish. That, that's some twisted morals. They like conserving it, not for the sake of conserving it. They like to conserve it so that they'll always have more stuff to hunt. Like that's some twisted morals. Right Whoa. There. Okay. You know what? Listen, we're getting we're at the end of the episode here. You're gonna get me all fired up about this. I I feel very strongly. This is like, this is like I feel the like, Koch, hey, Jerry, the Koch brothers are, are are pro immigration because they want low wages for their workers, not because they want immigration. That's fucked up. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like hunters. I think hunters like 
I'm telling you, the people that I know who are hunters and fishermen care more about the environment than people who who don't particularly because they don't people aren't involved in the environment. You know what I'm saying? Like the pe- I mean, yeah, I'll I'll, g- I'll give you that. Like compared to like the person who sees like something sad on Twitter and is like, oh, that sucks. Retweet. Yeah, and that's all they do. Like hunters, like, yeah. like hunters aren't the ones who want. Like they're they're the ones who want there to be like wildlife preserves and and land set aside that won't be developed and. You know, they're we're big into that. You know, we like that kind of those kind of things. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, yes, if they if they get the job done, it's I mean, what is that like utilitarianism? Like if it, if if you do it for the wrong reasons, but it still does a good thing, is it still a good act? And, you know, your point of view is like, hey, even though we're doing this for the wrong reason, what, what is the wrong reason? Done. What is the wrong reason? I mean, is it not, bad? Is it is it bad to hunt? You're not, cons- but you're not conserving things for the sake of conserving them. You're conserving things for the sake of your own enjoyment. You are not. Well, doing no, I don't think so. I don't think that good. you are doing something good I don't, for a selfish reason. I don't think that like advocating for clean water throughout the United States means that because I like to go fish in my mom's lake, you know, makes me like <laughs> doing things. You know, if there's a if someone out there who's who's like running for office, who's like, oh, I want to make sure that we have uh clean water laws like i would always vote for someone who's doing that who's doing like conservation projects even though they don't don't directly benefit me i think that's important in this country i think i think preserving what we have is is incredibly important right i mean no one's arguing about whether preserving something's good or not it's about Mm. whether the just you know the reason for doing it is the reason corrupt or not like who's the better person Someone who like takes care of a pet and loves it and cherishes it and takes care of it because they like taking care of it, or someone who takes care of an animal because they know in a couple months they're going to slaughter it and eat it. Yeah, I mean both are fine. Like, like, uh, actually, I, I have a funny, I have a funny little anecdote here. Then we're gonna get, then we're going to get out of here. So I'm at my son's football game. Um, well, football, I'm sorry, football practice probably about two months ago, and one of the moms came up to me and asked me if I wanted a pig, and I said, "Well, what do you mean you have you have a pig? You're trying to like give it away?" Or she's like, "Yes, I bought a pig. It, they were I was told it was a teacup pig, which I'm just going to tell this to everyone here. Like, if you've never handled wildlife, teacup pigs, like uh, what are they called, purse pigs or whatever, do not exist." That's not an actual thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There is no breed of pig that stays a miniature pig. That is not a thing that happens. Anyone who's trying to sell you one of those is lying to you. Okay. The only way you can keep a pig small is by actually starving it, by not feeding it, by doing something that's awful. Um, every pig will grow to a insane size. So anyway, this woman bought what she thought was a tikka pig and fed it like an, any normal, you know, human would. And this pig is now 200 some odd pounds and oh, um, she is looking for a home for it. And I said, well, what if, what if you slaughtered it and ate it? And she looked at me like I was a monster and I'm like, hold on, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Well, yeah. That's like, oh man, I'm trying to find a home for my cat. Oh, why don't you just cook it? <laughs> well, I mean, look, look, I, I get it. So I get it. Like, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a pet for her. I understand that. But like. If you if she gave it to me, I would take the pig and I would I would bring it to a butcher and have it slaughtered and processed and have so much bacon oh, in my fridge <laughs> in my freezer for for months. You know? Can you just imagine? It's like, oh yeah, I'll take your pig. Yeah. And then, like, well, you I meet, wish I had... you see her at the next see her at the next soccer meet. It's like, how's, how's the pig doing? Is she adjusting well? It's like, oh, adjust. I took it to the slaughterhouse yeah, two oh, days yeah. ago. So like, can you imagine? It's like, oh, how's the pig doing? You just give her like a couple sides of bacon. And be like, here you go. Here's thirty pounds of bacon. The pig's been delicious. 
Um, I love my pet. Like I love my dog. Connor, do you see my what dog, I have to deal with? <laughs> my dog is my dog is like a is like a is like a child for us. You know, he's like a, our first child. So I get people have you know I, I don't want to sound too cynical or too insane, but like you know like there are other animals that we raise as livestock, and that's that's food. And I think people are a little, I think people are a little too far removed from their food. Like, have you ever like slaughtered a chicken, Jerry? Have you ever like butchered like a, a fish or, or or like a anything like that? A uh, uh, fish, yes, but not a chicken. I have yeah. never uh, plucked a chicken yeah. or cut its head off or anything yeah. like that. I, I definitely think I would flinch. I don't probably. think it would be something well, that would I just, be easy for me. I just think we're a little too far removed from our. I think it's important to be more involved in your food. That's why like I have gardens, like I have my kids like work in our gardens and learn how food where their food comes from. I think it's important. You know. Yeah, I mean that's good advice considering our pending apocalypse that we're that we're heading towards. Yeah. So <laughs> you can find a bunch of medium rare koala in Australia apparently, so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we enter the apocalypse you can like rejoin the koalas. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I will. I'll go be one with the koalas. <laughs> Do you, uh, did you see Tropic Thunder? When, no, I have well, not seen Tropic. You Thunder. haven't seen Tropic Thunder? Okay, well, there's one scene where uh, Ben Stiller's character accidentally murders a panda in the middle of the night. He thinks he's being attacked, and the next day he's wearing like the panda's fur and head like around himself, and that's just going to be Jerry with the koalas in Australia. Oh gosh, <laughs> Jerry, uh, I just I strung together like twelve of these koalas to make a nice fur skin coat. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to release the last like twenty minutes. This is our of this best episode. This is our best episode yet. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's now 20 minutes of koalas. Yeah. 20 minutes of koalas, a slaughtering pigs. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, And also, can we just stop making elk jokes? I just want to. Yeah, they're getting, they're old. They're old. Yeah. Too ubiquitous. Too ubiquitous. You know what's not old? What's that? Boomer jokes. What's that? (laughs) Boomer jokes. Oh, boomer jokes. Yeah. Well, that is also old. Someone sent me, someone sent me an email. They're like, you just got to stop fighting it. You got to just lean into it. And so I'm just yeah whatever. <laughs> you definitely leaned into it over the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because because I like to I like to hunt, I like to fish, I like wildlife conservation. And if I had a pig as a pet, I would name him Chris P. Bacon and then slaughter him at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, those are all things I would do. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely going into it after hours, Justin. Uh, <laughs> maybe this maybe this could be a Patreon only episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah there you awesome. Go. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys know where to follow us. It's all in the show notes anyway. Thank you to uh, Justin Lutz, our audio tech, our sound engineer. He makes us sound so good. He takes out all the crazy things, most of the crazy things I say, and he puts them at the end of the episode. And he's also, did you know, Jerry, that he actually followed around? Uh, you know how people like follow the Grateful Dead around? They follow him around for like a whole year or whatever, following their tour. He did the same thing, but up north in Canada with Avril Lavigne. Did you know that? Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I do know though that Justin is a lover of koala bears though, and he's going to be very upset with what he what he has heard. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually don't know if he's a lover of koala bears, but I assume he is because who isn't a lover of koala bears? Yeah, they're Am cool, man. Connor? They got cute little faces and funny ears, you know. It's Just bu- like you. It's a bu- <laughs> it's- <laughs> awesome! All right, guys, thanks so much. We hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we love you. Uh, Take care of yourselves. We'll catch you all next week. Bye. (laughs) In fact, my college band, our number one hit single was literally the Koala Bear Jam Pack.